0: Yeah, oh yeah What's a man? 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 Oh man, hey man, good man, bad man, superman, be a man. What's a man? What's a man? What's a man? What's a man? strong man. Girly man, man, big man, be a man. What's a man, what's a man, what's a man, what's a man
1: I don't know how my family managed to do it, and most families still do it. I never saw a naked body or even a quarter of a naked body growing up, even with five kids, two brothers and two sisters, and all five of us were one year apart, and we lived in a small government flat in diplomatic enclave in New Delhi. We never had a conversation about our bodies. I never saw a naked body till I went to the U.S. and went to the university gym, where I saw a lot of naked pink bodies. This is Deepa Narayan, social science researcher and host of What's a Man podcast in which I explore masculinity based on interviews with over 200 educated middle and upper class boys and men in Delhi, Mumbai and other cities as well. My goal is simple, to open up the conversation about men and masculinity in a non-judgmental way, with compassion and deep listening. Join us and subscribe to our podcast and spread the conversation. Does a man have a body? Is he attached to it? Is he overattached or underattached? Does he worry about how he looks and smells? How tall, fat, slender or muscular is just right? Does his body cause anxiety? What is a good body for a successful man? And is all this body investment to impress men or women? In this episode of What's a Man, I want to get under the skin of male bodies to find some answers. Let's talk about the forbidden male bodies for a change. This episode is in two segments. We first hear the most common responses from some of the boys and men we've interviewed for our research and their relationships with their bodies. And in the second segment, I turn to three wonderful guests. Michael Baas, a Dutch anthropologist, who researched Indian men and their bodies for over 10 years. Pradeep Bhatia, a simple boy from Delhi, who did not have 100 rupees to join a gym, but became a fitness trainer to Bollywood stars. And Sahiba Dhupar, an image consultant in Delhi, who talks to flabbergasted men about their bodies. In my research with boys and men, no matter what question we asked, the body kept coming up, whether it was definition of a man, a word for a man, the body was king. When we ask for definitions of a man, the first word for a man, body is their answer.
2: What's the first word that comes to your mind when you think of a man? Power. Just the amount of strength that you have also describes like how manly you are. Like really muscular, well-built, strong in yeah. some sense. Strong. Also the physical appearance of, you know, the whole six-pack
3: things and stuff. They should be physically fit.
2: I think Andre Russell can be powerful. Andre Russell is a cricketer.
1: When we ask boys and men for the image of a powerful man, a strong body emerges over and over again, as you heard in episode 2. A strong body means you can be in charge and also impose your will on others. The body can become a weapon. a tall six type of thing?
4: I am the most powerful man because there is a dumbbell of sixty kg in my gym. I did twenty one reps. So most powerful of man Prady Patiya. Your
2: power one to ten. Powerful. Uh, I think six. Strength wise, so I consider myself very powerful. But emotional wise, not that much. I think.
5: Most powerful man, who you Sir Papa.
1: Strong bodies and sports have become the essence of being a boy. And the majority of boys spoke about their love for sports, cricket, football, basketball, even swimming. Uh, Did you play sports when you were young? Yes, a lot. What did you play? Uh, Football. It's not about winning all the time, but it's about uh, getting
2: up every time uh, you feel. Something that's physical in nature? I can like indulge in a large number of sports. We have a lot of competition, so it's more enjoyable.
1: I'm happy that i because if I would love cricket and I was a girl, there would be no point because girls play
2: cricket. That cup is very rare. Men playing cricket is more popular.
1: Many boys exult in the physicality of sports. But for those who don't, this cuts deep, as this ideal of physicality for men feeds into the images of worth of a man. In the past, men's bodies were just there. They were not a thing. It was almost as if men had no bodies. But now even little boys like girls have opinions about an ideal male body type. What
2: an ideal masculine body currently. Do you think there's an ideal masculine body? The athlete, sports person, you know, the whole six-pack things and stuff.
1: Steel, steel. While much has changed in how Bollywood displays men's bodies within families, the first educators' time seems to have stood still. We asked youth and men, "Did your parents talk to you about your body when you were young, puberty?"
2: they've educated me that uh, always keep your private parts covered on a scale of 1 to 10 how would you rate your knowledge about your body and bodily changes and all that uh, during puberty i don't remember talking about anything with my parents i there was no conversation about um relationships body sex changes anything like i don't even think we had a conversation about shaving
1: The vast majority of parents avoid talking to their own boys about their own bodies. They're even more ashamed, alarmed, and embarrassed about talking to boys about girls' bodies. This simply does not exist in educated homes. Two forces clash. Something is wrong about our bad, immoral, dirty bodies-induced silence at homes? Versus the pressure outside through images of perfect male bodies from friends, social media, magazines, and movies... This has huge impact on boys and their relationship with their own bodies. We ask boys and men, what do you love about your bodies? And those who fit the ideal body image are very pleased with themselves.
2: My shoulders, broad shoulders and everything, uh, shoulders and biceps and uh, yeah, legs, my legs are pretty strong. I don't have much body hair, so the thing which I like about my body, rather. I used to not like it when I was a kid, but now, yeah. Um, why did you not like it when you were a kid? In the 90s, the concept of a man was, you know, like, full body hair and hair all over the hands and, you know, like something like an Anil Kapoor. You know, even in the movies, that's what they depict, you know, like, oh, women like these kind of men. So, you know, you also want to be like that.
1: It's very telling that except for a few... The list of dislikes about their bodies and body parts was longer, is definitely out. Women have been held to impossible beauty standards since time immemorial. And boys and men are now feeling the body burn. Our question was simple. We asked, what do you dislike about your body?
3: I've never had a positive relationship with
2: my body because I didn't fit the ideal body shape. Uh, I don't have abs or I don't have biceps or whatever. I I'm a little bit of a face. But I feel like I'm a मोटा. Belly fat. i put on some belly fat. My waist, obviously. I'm a fat guy. My hair left me when I was too young. It's still leaving me. I'm like skinny type and slim type of a boy. Uh, I don't like being skinny because, like, I feel like manchild and I'm like weak and all that thing. I've had guys say that I'm too effeminate.
1: These likes and dislikes are not harmless. Judgments traumatize boys and men, and this trauma, as research now shows, is stored in the emotional body, wrapped tightly in pain and shame. And boys dismiss this pain with laughter. There is a dark side to the gym and fitness craze, the unachievable goal of an ideal, lean, muscular body of a Shah Rukh Khan. And little comments, shaming bodies, even when it's covered up with affectionate laughter, cripples self-belief and self-confidence. And this anxiety starts early.
0: If we go to the gym and
2: we to the dumbbell, then we'll normal family mein discussion or normal body sha like that goes on in everyday life they said that my face color is a little bit black so, ah. so they tried to bully me
5: I was always uh, identified as a fat child and growing up facing bullying in school I wasn't really like confident about my body or I wasn't really liking my body as such it's like the normal things like I uh, calling me a motu or jadia or, you know, these slangs that people use, they were very normal. From slangs it came to a point that, oh, he's chubby, he's cute, you know.
1: Parents in school seem to be the last ones to wake up to their boys' anxieties about their bodies. Too fat, too skinny, not athletic enough, not tall enough, not enough. Shamed by parents and grandparents, uncles and aunts and friends and strangers, Unthinking, time past comments sink deep. One-third of men, studies show, experience body anxiety. And we haven't yet figured out what boys need. Everyone has a body. And instead of facing our own discomforts and denials, we sacrifice the boys and girls too, especially when there is a boys' locker room type incident.
5: What's a Man? Masculinity Podcast in India by Deepan Narayan Our partners are Hubhopper, the Gender Lab, who work with adolescent boys and girls on gender awareness, Chup Circles, Safe Spaces for Conversation, and Youth Ki Awaaz, the largest online platform for youth voices. This podcast is supported by the American Center, New Delhi. The opinions presented in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the American Center or the U.S. government.
1: Let's turn to our first guest to learn about men's bodies and find out how six-packs became a symbol of attractive masculinity. Michael Bass is a Dutch anthropologist who has held academic positions for the National University of Singapore, Nalanda University, International Institute of Asian Studies, as well as the University of Amsterdam. Most of his work centers on the Indian middle class. Welcome to this podcast, Michael. It's such a pleasure to have you. Yeah, wonderful to be here. Thank you. You've been researching this question of men's bodies now for 10 years already, focusing on the phenomena of sprouting gyms in every neighborhood in North India, which is what I'm most familiar with. Trainers, bodybuilders, young men, young women flocking to gyms. And I've seen it happening in front of my eyes. Your book, Muscular India, and I love the title, is based on 10 years of fieldwork and deep ethnographic research, building relationships with men, with young men from the lower middle class, uh, going to their homes, going to the bars, going to coffee shops. And But what's interesting is that you locate their stories in the broader social political transformation and social mobility, class mobility happening in India. So the first question is obvious one. How did a Dutch anthropologist get so involved in Indian male bodies?
3: You know what, the first thing that always comes to mind when I think about this question is me walking into Gangaram's, which was always Bangalore's premier bookshop. And I was a regular customer there. And, um, it was only when I walked into Gangaram's one day, uh, browsing for books and magazines, that I came across a, a magazine depicting Indian bodybuilders. And and it, it struck me as, I think, you know, to be honest, as odd Because I'd never considered that... Possible in India. It had never occurred to me, um, until I started relating it to these gyms I'd seen in, uh, in, in all these IT companies and, but they didn't really exist anywhere else. And then suddenly that started changing and this was 2008 and if you recall that's the year that Om Shanti Om with Shah Khan yes, hit the theatres. And I remember seeing that movie, and I, like everybody else, I was completely smitten by that movie. The songs, the dance routines, it was one of these boyhood hits that sort of blew everybody away. It was enormous. Om Shanti Om was really the first movie that really carved out a specific moment for an Indian male actor, to unfeel his body as part of the song routine. So there was a song, he took off his shirt, suddenly Khan had six-pack abs. That was the big momentum. And basically every Bollywood movie since has done the same thing, but that was really the movie that sort of set that emotion. So suddenly there was this idea, was, oh wow, this is possible. Um, What you see with upper middle class men who go to the gym, young men, older men, is that they aspire a body that I actually don't need for their day-to-day living. It isn't a body that you need for typing, but it is a body that you might need for your career. None of these men will ever be carrying bricks. This is usually what you needed muscles for, right? To work on the land, to work in a construction site, not because you're in some sales job or, or because you're an IT professional. But if we understand these bodies as also kind of radiating control, um, cosmopolitanism, then there is actually a reason to have such a body and to aspire towards such a body. Right.
1: What do you mean by
3: radiating control? Control is, I think, a very fascinating aspect to discuss when you step into a gym. Because what precisely is it that we're after when we're a- when we're after a lean and muscular body that is veiny, that is deeply carved, cut, as people say it. A lot of this control is about is having control over rampant consumerism over all these kind of things that appeal when you step into a shopping mall where you can have a a donut and an ice cream so a lot of this control is it's not just taking care of your own health but also showcasing to the world you understand how to maintain and build that body Mm
1: -hmm. do you think this is putting pressure on young boys to Be physically strong and look a particular way to appear, to appeal to others, to look manly and more powerful.
3: Of course, gyms sell dreams. They sell dreams to men like me who could clearly use a couple of kgs, but who are unable to do so. And that's the thing. You often, we often forget that most of the clientele in the gym is not in the gym. Most gyms' members do not come to the gym. Most money that gyms make are not by those who you meet on the gym floor, but all those who didn't come but continue to have a membership, dreaming that one day they will pick up their training gear again and go to the gym. This is a long-standing industry (laughs) secret. Yeah, beautifully
1: said, right? It made me laugh because I've certainly belonged to gyms to get the perfect body and, well, and clearly you do. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so it's funny how we yeah. all get hooked. <laughs> yeah, we got hooked. But this is, of course, what the job of the fitness
1: trainer is also yeah. about. Look, I think one of the great ideas and concepts that you talk about is the body as capital, Mm. or bodily capital. I did a lot of research on social capital Mm. almost two decades ago, and when we first started talking about it, of course, it was Robert Putnam who popularized it. The economists were saying, you know, what? this is rubbish. Now, of course, economists are doing a lot of research on this area of social capital. How, who you know, your social connections and trust Is a form of capital. So, can you talk about body capital or bodily capital? What does it mean? as something that can
3: compensate for a lack of capital in other terms. So, if you think of lower middle class men as upwardly mobile, as trying to muscle their way up uh, into upper middle class ranks, socially and economically, what do they bring to the table? And the one thing that makes them stand out is their bodies. Their bodies meet a certain uh, lean, muscular ideal that we see actors like Shah Rukh Khan, Farhan Akhtar, and all these others display in Bollywood movies, and increasingly Recently, Collywood and Tollywood and Sandalwood are all doing the same. Um, so it's a body that um, costs a lot of money to build. So there you have capital as well. It's not a not a cheap money, but in the end, it is also something that they can capitalise on. It's the way into onto the fitness floor. It's the way to recruit um, personal training clients, and it's how you stand stand out. So there you have your bodily capital. The fitness industry
1: is worth over $2.6 billion in India and growing rapidly. There are 23 million Google searches for fitness centers near me every day. There are 200,000 gyms, fitness centers and businesses, of course, all severely affected by the lockdown and thousands of fitness trainers. Pradeep Bhatia is one fitness trainer. He and I bonded over Delhi food. Pradeep is one of the big success stories. He went from being a skinny boy in a modest neighborhood in Delhi to training Bollywood stars in Mumbai.
4: My first client was Katrina Kaif, and I'm new in Mumbai, and I'm yeah. from Delhi. Delhi-based girl, how do you Katrina came in front of me? <laughs> so how will it be? <are>
0: What's your situation? <laughs> my situation is <laughs> <my health. laughs>
4: But when I started with her, my, it was like an amazing experience with
0: her.
4: It was very good.
1: Yeah, so when you worked with Katrina, how did you change as a result of that? It must have done something to your confidence.
4: Yeah, when I started with her, I saw her first time. So it was on first floor, uh, gym tha, first floor. Pe tha. so I was sitting uh, at the bench and no, it was a personal training student. She came up and she said, who's Pradeep? Okay, yes, I said, yes, I'm Pradeep. Okay, now you are taking my session today. Oh, so, it's like you know, and then, I was traveling with her also uh, for any like shoot or award function. So Ranbi Kapoor and we were in that uh, Zee Award function. So I went there with Ranvi Kapoor, but I saw Katrina there and I both held hands and then we were walking there के पूरा हम लोग पैक से मुझे देख ले तो कोई सोचेगा कि अपनी girlfriend लेके घूम रहा है Your dreams came so true best, and they are trusting on me you know it's like family normal so it's like that बेलकुल
1: <laughs> so tell me about your meeting with Ranbir Kapoor
4: yeah first was Katrina Kaif Next day my session was with Mrs. Titu Kapoor. So she said, I have I said, okay, carry Have you seen that? I said, no, I, okay. I will, uh, I will carry a DVD tomorrow and then please see that. I said, okay. Yeah. So I started with him. I left my job and he said, join me as a personal trainer or seven years. Wow. of my life I spent with him, and uh, you know, my thi meri next to my marriage, he also Kapoor ne pura
1: So Pradeep, now that you've lived so many dreams, let's go back in time when you were 14, 15 year old and you were at home, how you got started in bodybuilding. There were no gyms and you had no money.
4: I told you that I ke don't have that much money. So I uh, I started with my friends. They are like, oh look, pure huge bodybuilders. De. So I went there on the terrace, and they told me that you're not fit enough to do this. And you know, after ages like 17 or you you can say 20 years, and oh, log, ke ke and I'm like, you
1: know,
4: much better than that. <laughs> They are praising me like a lot.
1: Before you started the gym, if you were to rate your body on a scale of 1 to 10, what score would you have given yourself when you were skinny? I
4: was rate my body, firstly, <laughs> and in out of 10, I gave my body like three numbers only, three.
1: Okay <laughs> and what what yeah. didn't you like about your body?
4: my skeletal, yeah, I was like like looked like a skeletal. Yeah. I was very lean before when yeah. gym was there in my colony, so i I just started by walking out there and what nobody knows about the chips mm-hmm. you know the gym opened, that means all over here
1: the first gym opening was a big thing in your neighborhood isn't it and then tell us how it was when you first started working in Mumbai
4: so when I uh, entered uh, Mumbai I joined uh, like one of the gym there my friend Mila. he's like okay, so I did a workout session with him he liked it, uh, the workout huh? and he said are you looking for a job and I said yes of course uh, are you uh, have done any a certification I said no I don't have any certification but I have experience good experience. He said okay let's try. So he took me there in the one of the biggest fitness studio in Bandra. So he took an interview with me. So she said my boss said yes, very good experience, good uh, good answers. But she said you don't have a certificate. Like it's like that, I don't have a car, but I have a license nice. mm-hmm. But uh, okay, I requested her that I will free. Then she wow. said, Okay, let's try that. And after a month, uh, she gave me a check of 15,000. Wow! My <laughs> biggest salary. Beautiful. This is, I'm talking about 2007.
1: Wow, what determination! So, you really showed your determination. So I,
4: yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That time I joined like 16 hours my daily work.
1: So, you have to really work hard. Yeah, make... yeah,
4: yeah.
1: True that you won some awards in bodybuilding?
4: Yeah, I won a gold medal in 2007, Mr. Delhi.
1: Mr. Delhi? Hi. So, what is your next goal?
4: Next goal is Olympia, of course.
1: So, if you were to rate your body now on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being I hate my body and 10 being I love my body, what would you rate it?
4: I love my body now.
1: So the numbers?
4: Yeah, number is 10. 3 to 10. I, you know, I made my body. Uh, it's like one of the best body I have ever made. Every year I, I will, like, you know, made a transformation. Every year it keep changing.
1: So what are you proudest of now, this year?
4: My legs. Of course, I improved my legs a lot because my legs were very skinny. Now it's It's much better now.
1: Like Michael said, the quest for a perfect body never ends. Pradeep's life story fits Michael's book perfectly and Pradeep literally touched the stars. One pervasive myth about men is that men's desire for lean muscular bodies is to impress women. I chatted with Michael about this. Michael, I'm finding that men are competing with each other to look good in each other's eyes, not so much for women.
3: What have you found? men are not just men in relation to women but they're also men in relation to other men and they feel pressured to to be men even when they don't always want to be that kind of male Um, now i would argue that almost all men primarily do this for other men so the male gaze is the mirror for both women and men yeah, this is what women have struggled with for the past few decades where their objectification was very much about the male gaze and what yes. the male consumers So That was an internalization of how women thought men wanted to see them, wanted them to look, and that with men is quite different. It's a lot of times about competing among men.
1: You say the hegemonic or idealized masculinity is not to be equated with aggression. Can you talk some more about this, Michael? I
3: get this question all the time: Is does this muscular body also equate um, a problematic sense of of masculinity with the most atrocious rape cases in the last few years, with with uh, abysmal levels of eve teasings that any sane person would be incredibly worried about? And here, what I found was quite interesting. This transformation of the body often also comes with a transformation of the mind. Say that again. That's so important. Well, the, tra- the transformation of the body also comes with a transformation of the mind. The men that I followed over a long period of time come from very humble backgrounds and often had to, first of all, fight or discuss their ambitions with their fathers first and foremost, who never thought that they would be able to make a dime in this professional fitness stream in this. Or at worst, so that they were becoming goodness because of their muscular body. So what you see in their own personal trajectories is that they've already had to engage with notions of patriarchy and masculinity from a young age, trying to become something else. So they had to to fight that themselves. The moment you have to do that, you often also have to rethink all sorts of other things about where you come from. And the one thing I found among these men is that they're generally very comfortable working with female clients, working with female colleagues, and they're often very concerned and aware of all the dangers that women meet with um, outside in public space bodies are not just bodies
1: they connect to our minds and emotions and there's a lot of research now showing the mind-body connection and healing methods that are body-based i'm so glad you talked about this michael what are some of the myths uh, got
3: busted from your work, from your hanging out with these people for a long time? Well, the one hiccup I had was thinking that all of these bodies are of course the product of uh, steroids and growth hormones. That was one of them. The idea that uh, it just came with a couple of injections. Now, the one thing I found is that these men had to work incredibly hard to get their bodies they had, and then also work incredibly hard to maintain them. So that was one of them. The other one with the availability for sexual favors and sex work. Um, how that actually operates along class lines as well. What I was often, what I often found throughout my fieldwork and my presentation of my work in conferences is that women and men alike would always be interested in. Are these men also? available for sexual services, or do they at least sleep with their clients? And people were extremely keen to hear from me how that worked, and I thought that was quite fascinating how they were all kind of probing me like they want right. this answered. Right. And what is the answer? Yeah, definitely. So, yes, that happens. But what I personally found more interesting is how these kind of expectations also come with... With elements of socio economic difference, it was often upper middle class Indians who would come with certain expectations of lower middle class Indians as if they were almost like gardeners, like um, their drivers, like their cleaners, as people who could be relied on for bodily services, so it sometimes also felt a little demeaning to ask that question. How we often think about sex and whether certain people are available to it has to do also how we think of them in hierarchical terms. How
1: does this uh, new focus on having a lean muscular body or having an aspiration to have a lean muscular body, how has that affected men's sense of themselves?
3: it's about self-esteem, it's about standing out in the crowd to get noticed, to be admired to receive applause it's partly social media that has fueled this drive to build muscular bodies because where else are you going to show that body? It's very uncommon to take off your shirt in in a street whereas it's completely common to (laughs) show somebody that same body on a a mobile screen so social media is phenomenally important for how men relate to themselves where else can you make that body visible where else can you matter and count and receive likes in the form of applause in the in the form of likes, I should say, so uh, but maybe more commonly the idea of the mirror everywhere this is something that women have had to deal with for decades. This idea that you look at yourself in the mirror and think like, wow well, I could lose a few kgs this what I experienced among men who are already quite sculpted is that they often lose sight of how much they are sculpted, how muscular they really are. So they look in, in, in the mirror only to see their faults. We, we have a term for that body dysmorphia. They only see what is what they think is wrong with their bodies, really the idea of the camera. Somebody else is seeing what is not quite good enough about me. When the body becomes a thing you look at it through
1: imagined eyes of others and this is what women have struggled forever because Absolutely.
3: women's bodies have been commodified so much earlier than men's bodies man will never want to be skinny, but they want to be lean, so they want to lose uh, subcontaneous fluids to make their uh, muscles look drier so that they stand out. They want to become wow. a so, you know, there are, of course, diuretics to help you with that, but first and foremost, there is the issue of the diet, and if your focus is entirely on the negative of your body, that usually results, one way or the other, in some form of eating disorder. And we've seen that with women uh, for decades, that um, the moment people start thinking of their own bodies as not the right one, often follow suit. Is this idea that you can control that through food, and there you have the word again, control. How does this control link to a broader definition of masculinity in the work that you've done? What we see with masculinity is that masculinity is almost equated with being successful, right? The idea of the successful male from an advertisement for wristwatches to to what it means to drive a certain car. It's all about being successful. This was... A money-making man, whereby the focus wasn't necessarily on the body. No, next is also the body. The body also needs to look in a certain way.
1: Michael, if I was to ask you for a message that you'd like to send to young boys or parents of young boys based on your research, what would it be?
3: Uh, <laughs> the message I wish I could send also my own younger self is, you know, don't waste too much time obsessing over the way you look. And the one thing that will not make you happy is to obsess over the perfect body because there's one thing that, that my lengthy interactions with fitness trainers and bodybuilders taught me is that even though they're proud of their bodies, they never consider the project over they never consider it finished so there's always something to be unhappy about wow
1: <laughs> that's a sobering <laughs> message so yes be healthy be well and don't obsess about how you look yes indeed thank you so much Michael it's been thank a pleasure you so much. For talking to you
3: absolute pleasure thanks
1: To understand this new pressure to look professional and cosmopolitan in a certain way, we attended a session held by Sahiba Singh Dhupar, an image consultant, etiquette educator, and a personality coach in Delhi. Corporate managers, legal journalists, litigation lawyers all come to her. She teaches them how to claim authority over others through their very physical presence, their bodies, Sahiba was kind enough to let us attend one of her training sessions with permission from her client, of course.
2: I want to be a kickass, like a kickass personality. Can you disintegrate and elucidate uh, on kickass personality for me? That's a fantastic word, but it's very relative for every person. I feel like people take me for granted. They should not take me for granted, so that is why a kick-ass. A badass also. You want people to take you seriously. Exactly. And badass also. See, by nature, I am very docile. I know that. You are like a coconut. So people take advantage of me.
1: Welcome, Sahiba. Thank you so much for agreeing to talk with me. Why do men come to you? What are they seeking when they come to you, Sahiba?
2: When they do ask for an image makeover, it is quite evident that they want to exude their most powerful self or um, command respect and authority, which is something that just comes like a natural urge to them, like being the alpha male, the aspiration.
1: The alpha male. Did you say? Yes. 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 And how does the alpha male dress and, uh, look like? So
2: there's this wordplay tool uh, that we have. These are these two sessions, which we call as uh, power dressing, dress for success. You know, how you manage your appearance.
1: Sahiba, what are the top three issues that men bring to you?
2: I think the first one needs to be how they assert themselves, as individuals at work or in their personal life. Assertive communication, let's be very honest, men have been bestowed with a lot of inflated ego in our country. Mm -hmm. So anger management is a huge concern. And sarcasm comes to them like ham comes to eggs. (laughs) So at work and with legal professionals as well, Assertiveness is something which is a huge concern and a loophole in many personalities.
1: Are you going back to power and authority when you talk about assertiveness?
2: Yeah. To a large
1: extent, power dressing, body language being
2: very important. Body language is another part of it. Issue number two would be look the part. I am a manager. I am a CFO, I am a CEO, and we don't take them seriously. I need for people to look at me and believe.
1: So it's back to power and authority. I think it all just comes down to that. So in a sense, you've combined psychology and helping people gain confidence in themselves and also how they then present themselves to the world. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's about bodies, it's about clothes, it's about confidence. From your experience, what is men's relationships with their bodies? What have you seen?
2: Blindfolded. I think that is the word. First, the world blindfolds themselves. So nobody talks about men's bodies. They are in this self-substantiated shell that we don't need it because That is how the society operates in the subcontinent. Are you
1: saying that men are detached from their bodies?
2: Why would you be comfortable talking about something on your own when you've not ever listened to to anybody saying it? You never listened to
1: anybody talking about your body to you. So are they shocked when you talk about their bodies to them?
2: Shocked is, uh, I would say... I would like to use a more appropriate word, ma'am. I think it's more like flabbergasted.
1: <laughs> it all fits. Masculinity, as we've heard in episodes one and two, is defined as strong, muscular, powerful, dominating, in charge. Don't mess with me. The body now occupies the corporate world. It defines the professional, the boss, the fit boss with a good body. Men's bodies have been captured, bodies speak, and many men's bodies have become an apology. Boys need honest education to navigate their own bodies, and they need education on girls' bodies. They're not educated by adult parents, but others, especially their hormone-exploding, puberty-entering friends, porn and Bollywood and the internet. And in an era of instant likes and dislikes, the transference of judgments and shame is also instant. Selling dreams is big business. Selling men's bodies is manly. The lean, muscular professional is relentless from Milan Soman running naked on the beach to Ranveer Singh in Padmavath. The dream is so unachievable that men's bodies have become a site of anxiety and trauma. Do join us in breaking open the conversation about men's relationships with their own bodies within your family, schools, colleges, workplaces and play spaces. Ask yourself and others this question, what is your relationship with your own body? How would you rate your body on a 10-point scale? One is total dislike or hate my body and 10, total love for my body. In our next episode next week, we talk about sex and sexuality. Come and listen to what we've learned from our 200 interviews and a very special guest who's created the Agents of Ishq. This is Deepa Narayan. Join me in slow conversation. Listen deeply. Share your stories with others and us.
5: Do subscribe to our channel on Hubhopper, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're currently listening. Our website is what'saman.com. You can reach Dr. Deepa Narayan at DeepaVOP on Twitter and Instagram. This podcast is generously supported by a grant from the American Center, New Delhi. The opinions, findings and conclusions stated are those of What's a Man, Masculinity in India and do not necessarily reflect those of the United States Department of State. Our partners are Hubhopper, The Gender Lab, who work with adolescent boys and girls on gender awareness, Chup Circles, Safe Spaces for Conversation and Youth Ki Awaaz, the largest online platform for youth voices.
0: A man what's a man oh man hey man good man bad man Superman be a man what's a man what's a man what's a man what's a man, what's a man. strong man weak man nerdy man nelly man big man be a man what's a man what's a man what's a man what's a man, what's a man, what's a man.